Good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Vine. We're very happy to have all of you with us today, and welcome to those who are watching online today as well. All right, I'd like to invite everybody to stand. We'll have a word of prayer and then get started with worship. Lord, we just want to thank you for bringing us all together here today safely. I want to thank you for everything that you've done in our lives throughout the week and everything we know you'll continue to do. We just ask that you come be in our midst today as we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Shining in the light of 
Take a second, turn around, say hello to somebody. My name's Allie, and we're glad you're here. If you're new here, go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you, fill it out, and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through.
2023 Women's Retreat is coming up this September. Payment plans are available, and registration is fast and easy, so get signed up. See Cindy or Shonda at the information table for details. In summer, Disciple Youth meets on Fridays at 10 a.m. We have a lesson and then we go out to serve the community. 6th through 12th graders are welcome to attend. Our next baptism is Sunday, July 30th at Carmody Park. Come celebrate with those getting baptized in the creek at 2 p.m. See you there. Thanks for watching the announcements. If you need any more information, go to our website or pick up a bulletin. Thanks for being here and enjoy the service. Good morning. How's everyone? Good? Are you following me? I am. Go faster. Let's see. Our men's breakfast, we we didn't have it yesterday, obviously, so it's going to be Saturday at 8 o'clock at Frisch's. So, um, anyway, that's it. And if you've Side of all Jesus not been baptized, you fill out a little thing, give that to me on the way out. We're going to do that in a couple weeks, okay? Um, we'll take, uh, say a prayer, take up the offering. I remember that today, okay? So let's just say a prayer. So Lord, just, uh, I pray that you just bless you. I pray for Travis, Lord, who's like at the hospital right now, that you'd be with him and, and, uh, just take care of him right now. And, and, uh, but thank you for the opportunity to give to you, Lord, so we can just touch people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
All righty. Um, after the service, we take down these two middle sections. So you can just just uh, stack them up. How's that? And then we got to bring out some tables. The Chamber of Commerce meets here Wednesday for their annual something. So we need about 18 tables, I think, or something like that. Um, or no, 14 tables. Uh, my mom, I asked you guys to pray for my mom last week. You guys did really good. She died. So uh, but she went to heaven. So that's a good prayer. Um, she died last Monday morning about uh 3 a.m. in the morning, so we had her service yesterday at her church, which is the church that my mom, my dad, and built the church and stuff. And so I did everything good, I thought, and then I forgot to show the video. So Pat made a video for me, so you guys are going to have to endure the video. You'll see me in it, you'll see Mark as a baby, different things like that, and you'll see my mom, who was awesome. So anyway, watch this, and then Mark has to preach after it, so too bad.
Grief's a funny thing. We watched on the first service. It did nothing to me. That time it just tore me up. That's Mamaw. So she used to worry us, worry about us a lot. She was a worry wart. So we would play on the back, like in the, in the backyard and, uh, on swing set and stuff. She would always worry about we were going to fall and break our neck. And dad's kind of like that now. The other thing I remember when I was a little, real little, she had dentures. So she would pop them out. You guys have, you know, someone did that? She would pop her dentures out and then pop them back in real fast and then pretend like we were crazy. And she'd be like, I didn't do that. Be like, man, well, wait. So she's, she was funny. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and, um, we're going to be continuing our study on love. And so, uh, I don't know how many weeks we did. Is this seven? Seven weeks so far? And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk today about learning how to love and that love does not dishonor other people. Good? So I always like to take a few moments simply to, like, center our hearts and kind of center down. Um, because if you're like me, you come into this room distracted. You got stuff going on. Anybody got stuff going on? You got stuff going on. I'm with you. And uh, so I always like to take a few moments simply to center our hearts down and, and open our hearts, if you will, to the Spirit of God and, and, what's, and all of that. And so, and so let's just take a few moments to do that. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and just uh, open our hearts to you. Father, we thank you for this morning, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come and open our hearts to, to this passage and uh, to, what it look, to what it looks like to love without dishonoring people. So we ask that you just be with us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Several years ago, me and dad went to Phoenix for a conference. And uh, during the middle of the week, dad says, hey, we're going to skip the sessions today and we're going to go to the Grand Canyon. And um, it, it was a little bit of a drive, like maybe up to three hours or more to drive from Phoenix to the Grand Canyon. And so we had to get up like at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. And I don't know about you, but I don't like getting up that early. Anybody like to get up that early? Of course you do, because you're psychopaths. But 
we're going to have to get up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning to drive to the Grand Canyon. I'm like, man, I don't want to get up that, that early to go see a hole in the ground. And, but we went anyway, and I was, I'm happy that we did. It was an amazing, like you've never, if you've seen, if you've never seen the Grand Canyon in person, it's, it's unbelievable. Like you can't even describe it. Pictures don't do it justice. But on our, on our trip, we went to a McDonald's. And it's like lunchtime. And you know how McDonald's is at lunchtime. It's, it's crazy. It's crowded. So we're, we're waiting in line and there's this guy that's ahead of us and they got his order wrong. Imagine that. Right? They get his order wrong and instead of being a normal person and going up and saying, hey, I'm sorry, you got my, telling the teenage kid, hey, you got my order wrong because it's a teenage kid, like he cares anyway. He takes his Big Mac and he cusses this boy out and then he throws the Big Mac and hits him right in the chest with a Big Mac. There's sauce dripping down his shirt. It's ridiculous. We live in the age of rudeness, in my opinion. Right? Have you guys noticed this? Like people are just rude. And so a lot of times our experience day to day looks like this. Just grumpy people all over the place. Now, I don't know exactly why. I have some theories on this that I'm not going to share. But I would imagine that one of the reasons why people are so rude is, one, it's something that we see all the time, right? There's We have this social media thing now. And what's interesting about social media is that you can say things to people on social media that you would never say in person. Why? Because you're not going to get punched in the face. If you said those types of things to a person in real life, it could probably get heated in a hurry. So that's one of the reasons I believe that rudeness is starting to grow in our culture. Another thing, politicians, the way the politicians talk to one another, they're just ridiculous. And I think that collectively, that's influenced us. Because if our leaders can talk to one another in that way, well then, subconsciously, we have all been given permission to act this way as well, right? And so we live in the age of rudeness. But Paul writes to us and tells us that love does not dishonor other people. And, and so how do we learn how to live a way of love that doesn't dishonor people when the rest of our, the, our entire culture is going one direction and we as Christians are trying to swim upstream going a different direction? How do we do this? Now, it raises a question for me. Why are people rude? Because I believe that if you are going to love somebody else, one of the keys to loving other people is understanding other people, right? Like if I can understand why you come from where you come from, it helps me perhaps look past some of the things that you do that get on my nerves. And so a couple of thoughts real fast on why people are rude. Some people are rude simply because they have low self-esteem, right? They don't feel good about themselves, and so they're trying to drag everybody else down with them. Does this make sense? And perhaps you know some people that are like that. One of the things I've observed over the, of the years is that people can only love 
as far as they can experience love, right? And so if I can't love myself, then I'm going to have a really hard time loving other people. And if I don't honor and respect myself, then I'm probably going to have a hard time honoring and respecting other people as well. So oftentimes when you run into somebody who's rude, a lot of times the reason that they're rude is because they have low self-esteem. Good? Another thought. Sometimes people are just rude because they're stressed and frustrated. It's maybe because they're hungry, right? I know that for myself, when I'm stressed, when I'm frustrated, when I'm hungry, I can be short with my kids, with my wife, with people at the grocery store, whoever it may be. And and so sometimes people are just rude and hateful and dishonoring because they're stressed out. And guess what? You guys stressed out? I'm, I can get stressed out from life. Bills, people, expectations, all kinds of things. Like school's coming back in a month. Ugh. I'm not looking forward to it because that little window of 6 a.m. to 7.30 trying to wrangle Annabelle and get her ready for school, that's like a full-time job, right? I'm not looking forward to that. That stresses me out. And there's, there's things in our lives that stress us out. Bills stress us out. People at work, they stress us out. And so t- sometimes we can be short and rude to other people simply because we're stressed out and frustrated. Another thought. Sometimes people are rude because it's simply a learned behavior. Now, I grew up with Chuck and Liz. Right? They're pretty chill. Dad can own, dad's, dad can be rude when he's hungry. But for the most part, my parents were pretty chill. So, that was the world that I grew up in. So, of course, I'm, I can be pretty chill most of the time. Simply because I observed them and that's just how I have, was raised. But maybe you weren't raised with chill parents. Maybe your parents were nuts. And so, sometimes what can happen is we just imitate, we copy the model that was given before us, and we were never taught how to handle stress and frustrations and the problems of life. And so we have no coping skills. We have no ability to handle those types of things. And so we just, I don't know about you, but the way it feels like for me, you just kind of like, it just all spills out on other people, right? And so sometimes it's a learned behavior. Sometimes it's a cultural thing. I used to mow grass. When I was going to school to be a pastor, I mowed grass. And uh, we... um we had a guy that lived in Springboro, and we would mow his grass, and he was from Boston. And he was just a jerk. And and all the other guys on the crew took it personally because they thought, man, this guy's just a jerk. Well, I knew he was from Boston. And I was in the Marine Corps, and I was with other guys that were from the East Coast. And that's just how they are. They don't mean anything by it. They're just jerks because I don't know why, to be honest with you. They just are. And so... I would just give it back to him. I would just bust his chops while he was busting our chops. And he liked me because of that for whatever reason. So sometimes people are just rude because that's just how it is where they grew up. Does that make sense? And so sometimes it's just a learned behavior. Sometimes it's a personality disorder. This is something that I think that we're we're just now starting to understand the, the mental health crisis that is 
around, that is all around us all the time. Sometimes people grow up in environments where they're not nurtured properly. And because they're not nurtured properly, their, their brain doesn't make the right adjustments to the way the, the world is. And, and, and so, there's something off in there. And they don't mean anything by it. It's just the way that they communicate. And sometimes people can come off as rude. And they don't mean to be rude. It's just this is the way that they're wired. Right? You guys, you know what I'm talking about? And so sometimes people are rude just simply because it's a, a personality disorder. There's, there's something that's just off in there. Another reason why people are rude sometimes is simply because they're emotionally immature. Some people get stuck. Right? They might be 45 years old, but they're really 15. Um, one of the things that we discovered when we started ministering to people who had substance abuse problems is that if you started doing particular like drugs and alcohol at a particular age, especially young, before your brain's completely developed, it will stop your development. And so you could be 45 but have the emotional intelligence of a 15-year-old because you've been drinking since you were 15. Yeah? And so sometimes people are... Because emotionally they're 12, even though they're 54 or whatever it may be. And then the last one, and some people are just mean. Let's just be honest. Right? Does that make sense? Now the reason why I said before, the reason why I give you all of this, this list is because I believe that if we're going to truly learn how to love other people, it begins by understanding them. Because another way, another word for love is understanding. Good? Makes sense? So this raises the question, well, how do we learn, then how do we learn to love in the age of rudeness? The Bible begins with this story in Genesis. Um, in many ways it's, it's poetic. God creates, he speaks and he creates and says, let there be light and there's light and he separates the light from the darkness and he creates the earth and the vegetation and, and the animals and he separates the land from the waters. And then it says that God creates humanity in his image. In the image of God, he created them, man, male and female, he created them. And so I would begin by saying this. If we're going to learn how to love other people, regardless of how they act, it begins by understanding that everybody that you meet is created in the image of God and they are worthy of being loved. Yeah? Now that doesn't mean that people don't layer it up. They do all kinds of toxic things to make it hard. They cover that image up, right? They behave in particular ways where it's really hard to love them. And so it's important that we have examples of other people to show us what this looks like. In the Gospel of Luke, there's a story about Jesus. He is walking through this town, and there's a, a man named Zacchaeus 
who has heard about this Jesus. He's heard the stories of him healing people. He's heard the stories of him multiplying food. He And he wants to get in on it. He wants to see what's going on. But here's the thing about Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. Now, for us, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But to give you like a kind of the cultural background around that, he, he's collecting taxes for Rome, which means he's a traitor. And so we sing the song. You guys probably remember the song from Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a what? A wee little man. And he sounds so sweet and innocent. But here's the reality. He probably wasn't a very nice, sweet little guy. He was probably more like Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. And if you didn't pay up, he was going to break your thumbs and your legs, right? And so they didn't like him whatsoever. He had all these layers, like he'd covered himself up, like in a sense, like all of all of his his peers, his family, his people, all the Jewish people, they saw him as a traitor, as a thug, as a crook. The layers of the all the things that get in the way from us seeing people who they how they truly are, right? But but Jesus didn't see him as that. Jesus saw through. All of those layers of toxicity and, 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 and problematic behaviors. Jesus saw through all of that to who Zacchaeus truly was. Someone created in the image of God. And here's the thing. We're all created in the image of God. All seven billion of us or whatever the number is now. And so it's learning that we are called to honor people, not for what they do, but for who they are. And, and a, a quick example, and I've shared this with you guys before. I used to coach, I, I coached football. I used, I had a particular team. We would invite him to our house to hang out. And there was one boy on our team, Sammy, who would play with my son, Evan. And Sammy was my wife's favorite football player on that team. Why? Because of the way that he treated my son. And I believe that we are all called, if we're going to truly love God, the way that we do it is by loving his kids. And guess what? We're all his kids. Even the ones that you don't like, right? Just think about that one person. I don't like that guy. Sorry, still part of the family. Make sense? And so love honors others as image bearers. Next thought. Love respects differences. Now, not only do we live in the age of rudeness, but we also live in the age of division. And we live in a culture that is drawing a line in the sand. And some people are on this side, and some people are on that side. And we have been divided. And it's almost become impossible for us to dialogue. And you see families splitting up over issues. You see friendships breaking over issues. And we've been influenced to believe that if people aren't with us, then they are against us. Right? But that's a lie. And we have to stop feeding the lie. We have to stop paying attention to that lie. We have to understand that, hey, if someone's not with me, then it just means that they're doing their own thing. 
I don't have to take it personally. I don't have to be threatened. I just have to understand that, hey, maybe they see the world a little bit differently than I see the world. And Jesus models, once again, this for us. Jesus loves and respects differences. Or Jesus, one of the way that we love is we learn how to respect other people's differences. There's a story about Jesus in Samaria. Him and his disciples are, are traveling and they're hungry and they stop by this village. And he sends the guys into town to get some food. And as he's out there, there's this well. And he's, he's thirsty and so he's hanging out by this well. And the Samaritan woman comes to the well. Now, to give you a little bit of a background on the Jews and the Samaritans. At the very end of the Old Testament, there is this period called the exile, right? The kingdom has been split in two. There are uh, two tribes to the north and, and ten tribes to the south. There is the, the kingdom of, of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. The, the kingdom splits. And because they're divided, they're now vulnerable for invasion. And so the Assyrians and then the Babylonians come in and they conquer the Jewish people and take them into exile. Some of the Jews that were able to survive and not get captured, they stayed in the land. But instead of keeping the bloodline pure, which I know this is weird, it just happens to be the history of it. Instead of keeping the bloodline pure, they intermingled with other tribes that were in the area, and this group of people became the, Samar- the Samaritans. And so when the Jews were let go of their captivity and came back into the land to establish their kingdom again, they were not very happy with the Samaritans because the Samaritans had intermingled and married with other tribes. And so it's mainly just racism at the end of the day. We don't like them because they've now married into other races. But it is what it is, and the Jews didn't like the Samaritans and vice versa. So anyway, most of the time, you would never go through Samaria if you were a Jewish person. But Jesus, like he does, just trumps right through. He could care less. And he's having a conversation with this woman. Because of the hatred that the Jews and the Samaritans had for one another, the Samaritans were not welcome in Jerusalem to worship God, even though they worshiped the same God. And so they had created their own system. They had their own temple. They had their own place of worship. And so they're having a conversation about their life. Jesus is having a conversation with this woman about her life and her behavior, but they're also having a, a conversation about worship. You guys worship on this mountain and we worship on that mountain and all of this and back and forth. But what's interesting what Jesus does here, he says, here's the thing. All of the ways that we're divided, you worship on this mountain and we worship on that one. I'm telling you, there's a day coming where we won't worship on that hill or this one but we will worship in spirit and in truth. Essentially what Jesus is saying here is this, is that love transcends all of the ways that we divide ourselves. Yeah? Jesus is saying, hey, a day is coming where we're not going to have these types of separations. If we can learn how to love in spirit and in truth, then it's not going to matter where you worship because the reality is it's about learning how to love one another. Does this make sense? And so Jesus, he loves, and one of the ways that he loves is he respects differences. And I would argue that this is terribly important for us to learn right now. We have to get over the differences. And we have to shut up the voices 
that are constantly trying to divide us. Mainly the news. Mainly the news. But we have to learn how to tune those things out because it's impossible to love people when you're suspicious of them. Does this make sense? And so Jesus calls us to love people even though they may vote differently than us or look different than us or whatever it may be. Good? And so we learn how to honor others because they're image bearers. We learn how to respect others who are different. Which leads to the next thought. Love protects others' reputations. So instead of dishonoring other people, we learn how to protect other people and their reputations. Maybe for you, you're not the type of person that would have a direct conflict with somebody. Right? You're never going to go and just, like, tell them how it is. But perhaps you do like to slide in through the side door and talk a little bit about them. Right? Ever find yourself doing this? Gossip, mainly. And so we don't directly dishonor. We might not be rude and say it to your face. or We, might, we, would, we would never throw a cheeseburger at your head if you got it wrong. But we do still take part. We still slide in through the door and dishonor through gossip. But what's interesting about Jesus is he doesn't seem to care what people say about other people. Jesus always protects others' reputations. There's a story at the, in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. There's this woman who's been caught in adultery and the Pharisees are furious with Jesus and they're trying to, to, to trick him and, and catch him in his words because they believe he's going against Moses, their foundation for society, their law, their constitution, if you will. They believe he's going against all of that and they've got to stop him because if, if they let this guy loose, man, he's going to destroy the whole system. And so they catch this woman in adultery and they bring her to Jesus. Now, what's interesting about this is that it takes two to tango, but they only bring one to the party. Yeah? And so they bring this woman and they say to Jesus, here's the deal. We caught her committing adultery. And Moses says that she deserves to be killed. What do you say? And the way that they would normally do it, because it's a wild place, is they would take this woman to probably the edge of town and they would stone her to death. They would take their stones and they would kill her. And then they would probably kick the body down the hill and then throw a bunch of more stones on top of it. Real fun. And so this is getting ready to happen to this poor woman. Not to say that what she's done is, is good. We don't know. But what's interesting is why all of the other people are pointing the finger about what she's done and, and how she's ruined her, her life. And she has ruined her life because it's either going to lead one of two directions. She's either going to die and if she can survive it, she's still got that, that label on her now as a person who's committed adultery. So she's going to be divorced. She's never going to be able to be remarried. Like, it's bad for her. And they're all pointing the finger. Look what she's done. What do you say, Jesus? And so the scriptures tell us that Jesus stands between the two, that he, bend, he, 
he bends down and starts writing, drawing and writing in the sand. We don't know what he's writing, but what's interesting, it says is that the, I think from the oldest to the youngest, they all, the guys who are getting ready to throw their stones, they all kind of just drop their stones and leaves. Maybe he was writing their names, right? Like, yeah, there's Jim. Oh, Joseph. Oh, man. You know, Joshua. Well, he's writing their names out, right? And then he says to them, listen, if you don't have any sin in your life, then by all means, tee off on her. And one by one, they drop their stones and they leave. And Jesus says to the woman, hey, where did your condemners go? Then she likes, they've left. And she says, and I don't condemn you either. Repent. Change the way that you're living not good for you and go on yeah where all of the rest of them were so concerned about this woman's reputation and how it reflected on everybody else jesus steps in he stands in the gap and he honors her and protects her even though she's wrong yeah and so it's easy it's easy to be at the office and such and such did something over the weekend and can you believe she did that? And have and talk about it and gossip about it. We could do that. It's easy. And sometimes it even feels good, right? Proverbs talk about gossip feeling like a good morsel. Like it's like it's like eating chocolate. We like it. But at the end of the day, you know how healthy you will be if your diet was only candy. It tastes good for a little bit, but actually it's not healthy at all. And that's the reality of gossip. It tastes good for a moment, but it's not a good diet to be on. And so instead of gossiping and slandering and pointing our finger at other people so that the finger's not pointed at us, what would it look like if we could love in the type of way that honors people and not join in to slander? Not join in to gossip and learn that love protects other people's reputations. Yeah? So a couple of tips real fast on dealing with rude people. Number one, don't take things personally. This is a big one. Most of the time when someone's been rude to you, especially when you don't know them, is they were mad way before they saw you, right? That guy that flips you off in, the, on, in traffic, they were mad way before you cut them off. You just pushed them over the ledge, right? And so one is when dealing with rude people, is it's learning how not to take things I don't know why this person is acting the way they are, but I'm not going to, I don't have to carry it around for the rest of the day. Because that's what happens when we take things personally. We just say, okay, I'm going to load this up and carry it around for the rest of the week or however long it may be. And so we got to stop doing that kind of thing. And so one is just don't take things personally. Most of the time it's not about you. You just happen to be there when they exploded. Second thing, find out the reason. Find out the reason. Especially when it comes to relationships, people at your work, your family. 
There's reasons why people act the way that they do. In between services, um, Jan, who plays the guitar up here, she was telling me a story that Vicky had told her years ago. That they were, Vicky was at a, uh, a restaurant waiting in line to pay or a, a McDonald's or something and the, the lady at the cash register was just being rude to everybody in line. She was rude to this person and she was rude to that person and rude to this person and rude to that person. And if you guys know Vicky, she don't play games. So Vicky's ready to let this woman have it. She wants to protect all these other people that have been treated badly. And she said that as she got up there, something came over her. And instead of telling this woman off, she said to the woman, are you okay? What's going on? And she said that there was this moment where she just, this woman just burst into tears. And she had a number of personal things going on in her life that was stressing her to the max. And that she didn't. And this kind of was why she was acting the way that she was acting. And so sometimes when it comes to dealing with people that are rude in our lives, we just ask them, what's going on? Maybe they're carrying something that they can't carry and they're trying to keep it to themselves because they don't want to burden anybody else. Because I know that I'm personally, I'm like that. I don't share my problems with people because I don't want to burden other people with. I know that you guys have enough going on in your life. Does that make sense? And so don't take things personally. Sometimes find out the reason why. Third thing. Fight rudeness with kindness. We are still so much influenced by eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality. That when someone's going to be rude to me, well, I ain't taking that. I'm going to be rude back to them. The problem with this cycle is that that it escalates. You did this to me, well, I'm going to do this back to you. You did this to me, I'm doing this back to you. This is the story of Samson, by the way. Samson and the Philistines is this back and forth escalation until it all comes down in a tragedy. And so, what does Jesus say? Well, when he slaps you on the face, you offer the other, right? You pray for your enemies. You, you defeat rudeness, not by being rude. And let's see who can be ruder. You defeat rudeness... By doubling down on kindness. You defeat rudeness by doubling down on forgiveness and kindness. Yeah? And so when that person is rude to you, hey, try to figure out why. See if you can bless them in some sort of a way. Maybe it will open their heart in a way that you, that they, they've never experienced before. And then the last one. Sometimes it's just good to walk away. Right? Sometimes there are just people that are so toxic that no matter how much you try to love them and be kind to them, they somehow still drag you into the pit with them. Right? The Apostle Paul talks about this idea, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't remember exactly how he says it. But it's, it's mainly this idea that if at all possible love, but if you can't, then just get out. Just get away. Some people are just so jacked up that it is what it is. And you don't have to be around when they're, when they act that way. Does this make sense? And so there's just having good boundaries with some people is important. You can love them from a distance. You don't have to be there all the time. Now why is this important? Well, here's why. Love is patient. 
of his kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, and love does not dishonor others. And we are called to love, and so that requires us to love other people, not the way that they, not because of the way that they act, but simply because who they are and who God's created them to be. Good? All right. You guys done? Me too. Two questions. What's God saying to you? And what's one thing that you can do about it today? And so we're going to take a few moments simply to reflect on this, and then we're going to celebrate communion together. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you come, that you speak to our hearts in these next few moments. All right, amen. If you have one of these, grab it, take it out. Every week we take part in this reminder that we are all welcome at Jesus' table. And for us, we practice what is called an open table, meaning that if you are willing to take part, then you are welcome to take part. Because our understanding is that at Jesus' table, you had one there who betrayed him, and yet he was welcomed. You had one there who denied him, and yet he was welcomed. And then all the rest of the guys, they all deserted him, and yet they were all welcome. And so for us, if you're willing to take part, then you're welcome to take part. And every week we pray this prayer as a way of centering our hearts and our minds. And so pray this with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant that's been shed for you. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Later, reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time that you and I, we gather and we take this bread and we drink from this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns, which means we remember what Jesus did. He was broken and poured out for the sake of the world. And we're reminded that as the body of Christ, we are called to do the same, to take part, to be broken and poured out for the people in our lives. And so take the bread, look to the person next to you, say the body of Christ is broken for you. And now the cup, the blood of Christ is shed for you. All right. Amen. So I'll stand. Grab hands with the person next to you if you like. Please, a little reminder just to stack these chairs here. We're just stacking them. Okay. Yeah, if, you, if anybody wants to grab some tables, how many do we need? I can't do it. Dude, the minute he starts doing numbers, my brain stops. It's just like, whew. 14. 14, that, that'll work. I don't know. We just need some tables. Ten tables? Ten, ten tables if you want to help. I would run if I was you. So let's pray. So Father, we just thank you for this Jesus that shows us, demonstrates for us what it looks like to love. And Father, we know that love is the only thing that can fix our hearts and fix this world. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you just open our eyes and our our hearts to you so that we can experience this love, so that we can allow it to, to conquer the rudeness in us so that it can begin to conquer the rudeness around us. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you just guide us and keep us this week. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. See you guys.